1: Today, I got one of the world's leading biohackers. He is one of the guys that's been taking this biohacking and making it out to the norms, especially here in Europe. He's a civil entrepreneur as well with several successful companies. He's a co-author of the book, The Biohacker's Handbook, which is kind of like the Bible for biohacking, the book that I always show when I'm out giving talks about biohacking. He is a co founder as well of the Biohacker Summit, which is the big summit on biohacking that you go to here in Europe. And he was in America as well. So he's the guy that has the fingers on his pole and has like met the people that you need to meet around the world. and has been testing probably too much gear, but then have the experience of what actually works and doesn't. So I'm really proud to have Timo Arena on the show today. Timo, thank you so much for finding time. My pleasure. It's good to so- be here. Timo, you have you have really been around when it comes to biohacking and tested a bunch of stuff, and there's many places where you've been talking and so on, so people can hear more about your background story, how you became one of the leading people in this. But I would really like to use some of our time on like getting some of the goal out of you, like what are some of the things that you are doing today in regards to biohacking um, that's working. But before that, potentially, just you give your explanation of what biohacking actually is.
0: Right. So. I started biohacking around 2011, 12 with my own health issues. And yeah, I mean, I really like the definition that came from quantified self, which is self-knowledge through numbers. So once you have something to measure, then you can optimize towards that. Just like in sports, if you have a specific number for your performance, you have something you can optimize around And in recent couple of years, also health optimization has been thrown around as a term. So biohacking is, it's in a way, it's total life optimization. It is about optimizing the environment around you and within you, which is a definition that Dave Asprey likes to give on on these terms. Biohacking is much older as a term than uh, any of the influencers on the scene, but I would would say that uh, it has been pretty much popularized by first uh, the American movement of biohacking that originate from, I guess, high tech entrepreneurship circles. Uh, Tim Ferriss is, of course, one of the pioneering people when it comes to optimizing your body and, and mind and learning and many other aspects of what it means to be human. And in Europe, we connected the term nature into it. So it's really better living through science, technology, and nature. So science meaning that you study the latest research and you have a strong hypothesis based on which you conduct your self-experiments. So I think the N is one is key to biohacking, is where you actually test these things on yourself so a lot of people have opinions about health and well-being and studies they've read or whatever. But in the end, the number of people who actually did all of those things, uh, tested things on themselves long periods of time, including different dietary interventions, are actually much more scarce than people have opinions about health and well-being. And I, I think true source of knowledge is is when you actually have tested these things on yourself. And so then you know what works or what doesn't, but it doesn't mean that something that comes out of research wouldn't uh, work for someone else or would have completely opposite effects. So that's the beauty of science always, of course, is uh, these things keep on evolving. But you have much higher likelihood of having a good guess that if I do this, that might happen. Um, so, for example, if you have interest in losing weight, there is a scientific method to it, uh, of course, Uh to to hack body composition, for example. So there is a more optimal route. And to figure out what is optimal to you, you actually have to look into genetics. You have to look at your existing biomarkers, your gender, a lot of other things. Uh, So there are individual differences and some things might work for some other people that don't work for you. Now, when it comes to technology, that's the aspect where you have different variables and measurement tools and techniques that you can use to figure out what works and what doesn't. Then you have technologies that you can do the interventions with, for example, certain tools or technologies to to get the most out of, let's say, exercise or the most out of your food. So those are also biogging ag- bi- ag- technologies. It could be technologies that you direct on your body specifically, like red light therapy devices or transcranial electrostimulation or whatnot. And there's the measurement component, then there's the intervention component. And then the nature aspect is is that we are actually, as humans, we are embedded in nature. There is a microbiome on our skin and in our digestive systems. And we live in a symbiotic relationship with the organisms and microorganisms in our environment. And Understanding nature connection is key. So, a lot of people uh, who have been into biohacking, they've noticed that. I mean, you can do all these things like grounding, and you could do it like light therapy or or sound therapy or whatever like um, techniques. You can do air filtration. You can do a bunch of things. You can filter your water, but in the end, if you're in nature, you don't need any of these technologies. I mean. You, you're naturally grounded in nature. You, you get like uh, an optimal soundscape being in nature and uh, the natural cycles of light when those are not polluted by modern uh, LED lights or whatever or, or mobile or computer screens is what is natural to us and often like being in sync or in tune with natural cycles like your circadian rhythm Is what is the source of good health. So I see that a lot of these tools and technologies are for urban people, for modern people who are alienated from nature, who need tools and technologies to bring nature back into their homes. And all these measurement tools and techniques that might tell you that, hey, stand up, do some exercise, might be good tools to become more aware of yourself. But I find it ironic also that you need a some kind of variable to tell you to stand up. I mean, we kind of at some point got disconnected of what it means to be human. But then there's the aspect of biohacking, which is about transcending what it means to be human, which is transhumanism, which is like pushing the boundaries of what it means to be human. You can use stem cell therapies so or you could, you could hack your biology directly or you could even have some implants or whatever. You could 3D print organs. That's also biohacking. And um, whatever gene therapy you might go through or fecal transplants or whatever, very invasive biohacking techniques, those are also part of the future. And I think as our environment is changing faster than we are, we might at some point need to start modifying ourselves directly. And uh, that's, of course, more controversial aspect of it but very future oriented so biohacking is an umbrella term that connects a lot of uh, different aspects when it comes to optimal health well-being performance um and and uh, i guess increased self-awareness so yeah well that's that's my definition
1: you yeah. wanted
0: me to dive into yeah future? so so
1: if we uh, if we start by so that's kind of like a journey of biohacking and you have tried a bunch of stuff. And I've also been following a little bit your journey from the side um, where I saw a lot of technology in the start. And now I see you posting a lot about nature as well. But if we start with uh, what are some of like your favorite technologies uh, for biohacking? And then we go more into like what, what are some of your favorites for nature? Um, that you have seen, that more people should get into, because I think that's also, as you talked about, nature is also my understanding. That's more like the, the European or the Nordic biohacking is that we have a strong focus on. We're living in an unnatural world, and how can we bring more of the natural part back? As you're saying, like some devices, grounding mats, and so on. But what are some? Of, what are some of your favorite, tech, um
0: biohacks to uh, to implement? Right. So, some of my favorite. Um tools and technologies would be um i mentioned red light therapy earlier so that's something that i use every day so i have a red light panel connected to my uh, clear light infrared sauna that i use every morning to get up and running wake up do some meditation some uh, journaling and you do 20 minutes half an hour or how long i usually do like 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And I find infrared sauna particularly good in the morning and you can pretty easily combine red light therapy with it so you get both at the same time. You can also have aromatherapy. So you could have some essential oils maybe diffused that help you to wake up. Um, I, I like to use a traditional dry or finished sauna in the more like early evening Uh, It's it's more of an exercise mimetic than infrared sauna. Infrared sauna doesn't really get your heart rate that high. It it makes you sweat, but it's not like it's an exercise mimetic. Exercise mimetic is something which is mimicking or having similar effects as doing physical exercise. And the cardiovascular effects of traditional Finnish sauna is, is much stronger. And it's also good for activating heat shock proteins and genes related to longevity, like FOXO3. But it it also taxes your nervous system a little bit, just like exercise. So I like to do that more in the early evening or after work, while infrared sauna is is good to just wake up. Maybe some yoga alongside with it and uh, some stretching. So I like to do that. When I when I'm at my computer, I also use sometimes red light therapy with the Flex Beam device, which is a portable device. And yeah, Flex Beam is pretty good. If you are traveling as well, so you can take it with you, and I, I find it's really useful for like if you if you've been in a vehicle or airplane or something long periods of time, or sitting in front of your computer, or laptop in bad ergonomic positions or whatever. So, for neck area, for example, it's it's very good. I also like to use different beverages throughout the day. I think whatever you do repeatedly is uh, where you should focus on when it comes to optimization. So, if you are, you know, at your computer, for example, then you would have a standing desk or a good chair. Uh, so, I, this, in this pandemic time, I used quite a lot of time to optimize my physical ergonomic side lights and everything that goes on around my computer what is, kind of
1: lights do you have around your computer um so i have for example like in my home i have this special reddish light for the evening which is some um, nasa technology so i'm curious to hear like what kind of lights have you set up
0: yeah i mean i have uh, the elgato i guess these are elgato air lights which i can control the color temperature and and strength pretty easily and so uh, that's also nice as a kind of a daylight lamp during the day and keep you alert. And um, in the evening, I use the Philips Hue lights to, to get more of a red hue. Uh, What's
1: and, I'm curious about that because the Philips Hue seems so easy. Um, but I also hear people in the biohacking circles being like, oh, but it has Bluetooth. What's, uh, what's your take on that? Is Philips you perfectly fine and we have so much
0: EMF around us anyway? Yeah, I think the whole EMF thing has got out of hand in the parking circles. Like People are way, way more concerned about electromagnetic radiation than what it's worth. I, I just have not been able to convince myself by looking at the data that it has any effect of eliminating it. But... What I do trust is is some of the research when it comes to low-level inflammation and and so on. I don't think EMF in in today's devices is necessarily going to cause you cancer unless you um, use your phone against your head 24 hours per day. But if you are using a source of radiation, like a mobile device or a Bluetooth-enabled device, what is important is distance to your body, and you actually get from one cell phone call you get more radiation than from a Wi-Fi router for the whole year in one call. So I'm not that worried about Wi-Fi networks. So but if a call I can... with your mom? The
1: one that lasts forever where she doesn't want to hang up, or is it like a, a short call? How long are we? How long are we looking?
0: Yeah, I, I like to use Bluetooth or or just like air air like like these air tubes. Yeah. Uh, if I'm having phone calls, or I just use a speaker, I don't. I don't like to use a phone against my head anyway. I, um, I prefer, you know, doing my calls like this with a proper microphone. So I hate using a mobile device. So, but what I was saying about the radiation aspect is that uh, a 5G, 4G, 3G connection to your phone is worse than your Wi-Fi. And your Wi-Fi is worse than Bluetooth. And Bluetooth has different categories and layers. But in the end, the distance to your body is important. Like the effect of the radiation gets exponentially lower the the f- further away you take the device from your body. So with a Bluetooth-enabled devi- Bluetooth light, which is far away from your body, I'm not worried about that. And the other aspect is uh, sampling rate, how often it's making that connection. And like I I use the Oura Ring, for example, to track my sleep. You have the airplane mode for those. So I'm reducing or mitigating the potential damage from uh, electromagnetic electromagnetic fields as much as I can. So if I can wire my computer to Ethernet, I do that rather than Wi-Fi. Uh, Under my table, I have some cables, uh, but I put also an EMF-protecting blanket. Um, In my bed, I have EMF-protecting sheets. I sometimes use pants and stuff like that. But it's just a What
1: kind of sheets are that? I'm curious about that. I really like the things where you kind of buy it once. And it's just like, I have a water filter. That's easy. I have an air filter. That's easy. It's not something I have to do constantly.
0: Yeah, for the sheets, I use steady body sheets from Unicolma, which is a Finnish company that uh, patented a grounding sheet that doesn't use the wire to the ground at all. It's more of a physics thing. And it's actually a medical device. So it has been registered as a medical device. So it's not some woo woo thing you, you get from China. So that's what I have for my bed. But in the end, like, um, I would say, like, that in terms of your health, there are environmental pollutants, several different ones. I mean, you have poor air quality, you have light pollution, like unoptimal frequencies of light throughout the day compared to your biology. Then you have, maybe you have some food additives or chemicals in agricultural production. Then you might have electromagnetic fields and pollution. Then you might have stress and emails and all kinds of things. I mean, all of these are cumulative and they have a cumulative effect on low-level inflammation and stress, biomarkers and other things, and effects on things like mitochondria and your recovery rate. So I see EMF as, uh, as one additional thing on top of a pile of other things. So there are probably more significant things to focus on, like diet and exercise, than and sleep, than EMF protection. But some people seem, especially in the I guess light water magnetism kind of um, online community. They tend to believe this EMF stuff is is the cornerstone of everything. I mean, it's their opinion, but I I don't see in my biomarkers me- measurable effects compared to dietary for exercise, for example. So I would start from those as big building blocks and sleep optimization before I would move into geeking on other, like details or even things like genetics. So I would just start with biomarkers before, like blood biomarkers, before I go into genetics. And I would start with um,
1: what kind of blood biomarkers would you start start
0: with? Can uh, you repeat?
1: what uh, blood biomarkers would you start with so someone is listening being like all right i like what timo is saying i don't need to worry about my wi-fi i can have my bluetooth my bose device and so on um i'm, I'm gonna follow the advice of blood markers where where would you start
0: yeah so so obviously i would look into like just the general categories i would look at some lipid biomarkers so Uh, expand a little bit on traditional cholesterol levels, looking at LDL, HDL, triglycerides, but also the particle size and components um, that are in the bloodstream. So if you can break down LDL, HDL into smaller components, more accurate measurements, that's at least from cardiovascular perspective, pretty good. But the other thing is uh, blood sugar regulation for sure, like... uh, hemoglobin A1C, like long-term blood sugar, and um, maybe insulin response glucose, um, fasting blood glucose, pretty easy to measure at home. And then if you are into a ketogenic diet, then you would maybe me- measure your blood sugar in combination with your ketone bodies, and uh, you would derive um, uh, kind of a glucose ketone in the index, GKI, out of that, if you want to figure out if you're in a therapeutic zone or, or more more of a maintenance zone from a metabolic perspective, then I would look into inflammation. And for inflammation, I would look at things like highly sensitive C-reactive protein, homocysteine, I would say are uh, some of the key like top-level, high-level things to look into in terms of inflammation. But you could also look at your liver values, kidney values, and if anything is off, then I would dive deeper uh, and maybe look at you know different organ functions more closely. Maybe even if if things are unexplained, maybe heavy metals stuff like that. But in the end, doing these measurements is a good idea to do every half a year. So you especially if you do lifestyle changes, dietary changes, dietary interventions, or if you exercise heavily, work heavily these things can fluctuate. And yeah, I forgot to mention hormones. So obviously a lot of these things can co- contribute to hormonal status. And those are some things that you may want to take a look at, like just like things like testosterone, of course, in woman estrogen levels. Uh, you, you may want to look at some of the sex hormones if, if you're looking into performance and motivation and, and results, um, for sure, stress, Tends to convert things like testosterone into cortisol, so cortisol is key, of course. But in the end, if you are looking at the nutritional status and you're optimizing your nutritional intake, if you're taking supplements, there's definitely some major categories that you may want to take a look at more closer look, like vitamin D, of course, for immune system function, full blood analysis for the different immune system cells. That might also Reveal some underlying infection or viral or bacterial uh, or parasites. If your immune system cells seem to be elevated on certain areas or massively reduced. So, in the end, it's about balance, homeostasis, figuring out what is, you know, the balance and the body has these compensatory mechanisms. For example, if you are injured, it will increase your cholesterol levels because the carrier doesn't mean that you're eating a lot of like crap, but it can be just that because you're sick, your cholesterol levels will be elevated. And in that case, it's good to understand the context. When it comes to nutritional intake, you, you could go into much, much more into detail, like with uh, minerals and minerals, and different vitamins. But I would say vitamin D is probably the, easiest and and fastest that everyone should be measuring if you're taking it to figure out that you're not, you know, dosing incorrectly. So I think supplements in general are supplements. I mean, they are on top of a healthy, well-rounded diet. So to address some shortcomings or to boost or elevate certain aspects of your life, it could be exercise or focus or work. And when it comes to those things like People tend to overdo some things in, in the name of performance or muscle growth or whatever, so which might not be that healthy, like taking too much nootropics, for example. If you feel depressed and mood swings and things like that, it might be that you're just taking too much different things and uh, you're taxing your system.
1: I had a talk with, with Ted, the doctor who also is part of uh, Blue Canidine, And he explained as well like you shouldn't take nootropics unless you have like your base level of health, because you might be overrunning different systems. So he's like, nootropics are amazing. He formulated some, but he's like, you need to make sure that your general health is all right, your levels and so on, or you might be overrunning the system. I think that was a pretty good advice as well, as you're saying as well, it's about basics and it's not like, it's the 80-20. So like, whereas those 20% of the effort where you get 80% of the results. So instead of just focusing on supplements, then make sure you have a healthy diet. And It's the same as you're saying with EMF. EMF probably have a effect, but it's like there's probably something that's more important where you can start, at least according to the data that you have seen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to focus and attention, often like just sleeping enough is a good idea or, or having little exercise because brain derived neurotropic factors are massively elevated when you do like heavy lifting and exercise so exercising your body has an effect on your mind correcting your gut um, like if you have any issues with the gut or gut microbiome that might have a cognitive effect but in the end a lot of nootropics are actually helping blood sugar regulation so it helps you to focus because your blood sugar is not fluctuating that much like Dietary interventions like the ketogenic diet might be one way to elevate focus and attention. And um, yeah, I use some supplements like ginseng. It's very powerful for uh, blood sugar regulation, some medicinal mushrooms. I I like to use uh, extracts and tinctures myself for modulating the immune system or or, or getting some agents that are good for blood sugar regulation. And uh, many of them also have these vasodilating effects. So they expand capillaries, enhance nutrient delivery. Many nootropics have this particular effect, imposetin b- b- comes to my mind, which is a more, I think, it, at least in my country, it's a pharmaceutical drug, but it's often in supplements. But there are some natural ways to expand your capillaries, like putting a little bit of chili in your, into your coffee, for example. Maybe set up cho- the milk? Chili instead of milk in the in the
1: coffee. I think that's something for people to test.
0: Yeah, just a little bit like that. It's it has thermogenic properties and some vasodilating effects. And one one thing, of course, is plant polyphenols, like um, some of the compounds in blueberries or chocolate, seem to have also cognitive effects, and might be because of their neuroprotective or or uh, effects on. A, as antioxidant on a, on a cellular level, so I see that the most well-rounded nootropics are the ones that are helping you to oil your system. So it's kind of helping the existing system run better, so that you have building blocks for neural myelination. Like I mean, you could have like some some kale, you could have some omega three oils, whatever, and maybe your eggs for the choline. A lot of people take like choline supplements for nootropic effects. I mean, you can have a couple of eggs also. It's good to study like what are the natural sources of some of these things. And often like you get a pretty good effect or already by having having some uh, strong plants. And uh, that's the nature aspect. So I, I see a lot of American biohacking is about supplements. And uh, European thing is much more about like some 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 i I guess like full spectrum yeah uh, like extracts also asia like if you look at chinese medicine ayurvedic medicine like things like ashwagandha or uh, etc or or certain ginsengs i mean instead of having an extract of a specific compound you could have like uh,
1: the whole plant you mentioned kale and uh, i've been putting a lot of kale in my uh, smoothies and so on but uh, i've I f- Dave Esper has really been after that kill lately uh, bashing kill all the time Like, what? why is he doing that and what has he misunderstood or like what do we need to do to be able to eat that kill because I'm seeing too many videos where he is uh, yelling at my kill and I'm like I like my kill,
0: what's wrong yeah I mean maybe he's referring to the uh, oxalates or whatever in it but I mean you have to eat a lot get some detrimental effects like seriously there is much more in in it as an investment in yourself than you know one specific combat that might have like some issues if you're worried about that you can all of course you can
1: you can damp it as well right if some hot water and so on you get some of the yeah, you, you can you just
0: blanch it quickly yeah that's one way but I mean there is better stuff than kale that grows on my front yard right now like things like nettles and dandelions and food that is free which is yeah. much much stronger and better than anything you can get, buy from the supermarket so i would recommend people to take like one meter of dandelion leaves per day for one month and see the results like it's is pretty good and you also get other effects like kidney function etc will be greatly improved so so there are natural plants that grown as weeds on our yards that is better than anything you can buy from the supermarket and any of the biohackers are marketing to you.
1: Yeah, I find that pretty interesting because again, if uh, if someone Google's your name, they will see pictures with you uh, with weird things on your head. So you have definitely tested a lot of technology, but. Often when I I hear you talk and so on, you're actually a much more of an advocate of like what are the natural things you can do. And I I think that testifies as well to like what actually works and doesn't work. I love to see that both you and Oli as well that I follow a lot. Oli is a big focus as well. One of the other authors of the Biohackers Handbook and one of your partners on the natural bar. If someone is like, because time is running and you had to give some some quick recommendations for some natural hacks that people can do so if the listeners are sitting and thinking oh that Timo guy he's been around if uh, if he could give me like five top advice for nature what would that be
0: yeah i mean around this time if you if you are paying attention the the pine trees are going to produce some pollen and and plant pollens are are Pretty effective. I mean, if you have like pollen allergies, exposing yourself to pollen is one way to introduce these things into your system in a way that makes you more resilient. So maybe even might reduce allergic reactions. So honey is a good way to get exposed, like, like real natural honey with sun filter to get exposed to, to, to um, the compounds in pollen. But if you just take a plastic bag and you shake a pine tree or you put a, put the bag around some of the cones that have pollen in it, you can gather that stuff. And it has four different hormones, at least that are related to testosterone directly. Then you could collect something like nettle roots. Let me just get that again. So you find a pine tree, you take a plastic bag and what do you put down there and what do you do? Yeah, you just put, uh, like, at the time when it's uh, producing pollen, so when you shake one of the branches, it will release this yellow powder. So you just put the bag around the branch, and you shake it up, and and you can collect uh, the pollen. And that pollen is is good as it is to put on your salad dressing, so whatever. But if you want to really, like, become a biohacker, you can make alcohol extract out of it. Mm -hmm. So you put some alcohol uh, in it. And uh, you extract for three to six weeks, and then you filter it out, and you get this tincture that has the compounds, these hormonal compounds. Many of these, like pollens and new growth factors, and so on, on, on trees at this time of the year, like uh, spruce sprouts, pine sprouts, uh, can also be really high in vitamin C. And I like to also make extracts out of uh, the the pine. Um, Shoots and, and uh, spruce shoots. And basically, uh, to go back to my hormone hack, like you, you get this pollen, it's free, it grows everywhere, and you make an extract out of it. If you want to reduce the risk of testosterone, the free testosterone, then converting to estrogen, you can collect some nettle roots. So everyone knows the nettle, the stinging nettle. Uh, you take the root out. You clean it up, uh, you make a tincture out of that as well. It just, you just cut it into pieces and, and you use, use the root and it has compounds that uh, reduce the conversion of uh, free testosterone into estrogen. So that might be also a good herbal thing if you are stressed, um, which you can make for free. You can collect also nettle leaves and seeds as well uh, later in, uh, in summer. And nettle has high contents of iron if you're a woman and you have low iron levels. That's a pretty good natural source for it. It's good if you're exercising to use some nettle powder, for example, in your food. But it's also good for, it has some compounds that are effective in uh, reducing, like a natural antihistamine. So it's uh, reducing allergic reactions as well. You could use that instead of antihistamine. And what else like yeah i mentioned dandelions dandelion leaves are i mean the french name Lee, is a reference to the urinating aspect of it so it makes you urinate so it has a like diuretic effect but in that way it's a kidney kidney tonic but very very strong plant as well and you can also collect dandelion flowers and and, and take the it, it tastes like flowery butter almost like those are really nice to just take the shoots or, or remove the yellow things and throw them in your salad for example so there's a lot of good stuff on your front yard and um i would encourage people to to have like you know big big plate of uh, wild plants especially this time of the year when you can collect them like um and uh, I'm basically trying to eat every day a wild salad, like at least 15 different plants. And I get much stronger nootropic effect from a you know plate like that than I would get any supplement that I can order from US. So I don't know what's in some of those plants, but it's definitely good for me. I feel it. So yeah, those are some of the tips and tricks. It's free, but like um, more on a technological side. So yeah, I like to have like, one of my legs in nature and one of them in a future or more technological side, I think we need both and we are kind of connected to both as human beings. As technological interventions, if I, if I think about what are the things that I get you know, most value out of is uh, I, I've used a lot of different measurement tools and techniques and so on. And in the end, the O-ring is um, one of the most user-friendly and a lot of bikers, of course, love that one. But just like it could be any device that is able to measure your resting heart rate over time at sleep and during the day. And and that gives you a pretty good general indicator of your health, long term, like rested heart rate. If you combine that with heart rate variability, then you get, a, especially at sleep, then you get a good idea about your recovery rate. And uh, you could detect potential uh, health issues underlying health issues or um, overburden of stress. like I've noticed in my own case like average HRV values can be reduced for long periods of time if you are stressed and overworked. and even if you sleep really well a few nights, maybe a week, it's it's not returning to to baseline until there's some time, especially also with resting heart rate. Uh, so some of the cardiovascular parameters and nervous system parameters, they, they have a little delay in a way in terms of recovery when you when you actually see like things are really returning to normal. And, and that's where you can also see the effects of exercise. In short term, they can uh, reduce uh, the value. So if you over exercise, you will see that it's, it's not good, but they have a super compensating effect. So if you exercise at high heart rate zones, your resting heart rate tends to go lower than your typical average. So that's one of the things that is related to longevity. Like, I mean, if you can lower your resting heart rate, your heart is a mechanical pump. So if you reduce the beats per minute that it's making on a, on a typical day, that's already increasing its uh, duration or battery uh, for the rest of your life. So over time. so. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to just pay attention to these things. But many of these like biohacks are actually pretty much free, like ice baths and cold therapy and breathing techniques. I get a lot of uh, benefits from breathing and meditation techniques. And I didn't re- like really fully understand those things until I started doing them every day. I don't think you can get the benefits of breathing techniques or meditation or cold therapy by doing it once a week. Or twice a week, you have to do it every single day to actually notice what's going on, and and actually learn to use those techniques and get the benefits. So this year, I started doing like um, uh, one and half hour breathing sessions um, every morning, and I combined that meditation, and it it like it got out of hand. Like I, I, did like two to three hour sessions, and on a daily basis, like from nine a.m. to around midday, I was just like doing breathing and meditation stuff, and I just didn't feel like stopping. And before that, I had like maybe hard time sitting a long time in a meditation or or doing some of these things, but th- there is a way to get yourself into a state where you actually start to enjoy it so much you don't want to stop. So. It's the same for exercise, I guess. Like for a lot of people, it's hard to start, but once you get into it, then it becomes drug. And um, some of these recovery techniques are very good things to get addicted to, for sure. If you, if you, if you know what I mean. Definitely better than Netflix <clears throat> and so many
1: other things. Timo, our time is running. I think we could talk for days, and there's a million things I would like to ask you as well but in, uh, in respect of your time as well and, uh, and the normal episode link, if you had to round off with like one advice for the listeners on how to live a happy, healthy and meaningful life,
0: what would that be? Well, uh, health in the end is more than just the absence of diagnosed disease. So if you can figure out in your own case what is the optimal balance of things you're already far and most people they miss this kind of experience they don't know how good they could feel until they actually reach that state and that's the irony or um, paradox of human consciousness that you in a specific state you would not be even able to comprehend how good you could feel and that's why i encourage people to experiment with these things and try to get their system into a into an equilibrium or a homeostatic state, and, and uh, finding out like a proper balance from a nervous system, from a dietary perspective, from recovery perspective, from being active to blood biomarkers and beyond. But I I've, i figured out that that's where the health and performance really is is the ability to bounce back. It's not about being able to put more gears in or accelerate things or being faster or stronger, but it's about finding the balance that that works for you. Like I've, I've met so many people who stressed themselves to death and got o- over training symptoms or, um, or, or just uh, burnout symptoms. And there's a lot of biohacking that can actually speed up you to get into a like overblown state mm-hmm. because it's so easy then to just go on a intermittent fasting and to have a little bit of bulletproof coffee or whatever and some new tropics and you know put a few more cycles into your into your day. But in the end you're burning the candle even more from both ends if you do that. And it's the art it really is to know how to um rest vigorously like and, mm-hmm. and many people don't know how to do that and most of the bikes that i do are really that i find most beneficial are the ones that speed up recovery not it's... to speed up performance And Interesting that's...
1: you're saying that as well i had uh, a former olympian he's been like five olympics and uh, medalist and so on and his one of his key things was like everyone can go hard and I think that's what you're saying as well. You can push yourself with more and more biohacks, but, but he said the key is recovery. That's what makes the difference, getting the right recovery. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear from different walks of life, whether it's biohacking or the Olympics, uh, participating in sports and so on, seeing like what, what makes the difference.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, rest is half of my training, you could say. So if people are interested to learn more about you know, some of our Material and stuff that we do, you know, the Biker's Handbook is of course pretty good, and we have created some products and and also some online courses that we developed at BikerCenter.com. If you are interested in the foraging stuff, we are actually um, now working on a wild herb course in English language together with uh, Sami Talberg, who is a wild herb chef, and we've been filming that one, and uh, it should come out in a in a month. Nice. And uh, what about the summit? When will yeah. we
1: uh, be able to gather again?
0: Yeah, the biker summit happens this year in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, if I remember, remember correctly, it's in October 22nd to 23rd or something like this, or 24th. And um, yeah, uh, I'm pretty confident things are going to run now. Like the political will is there to get the events back and, up and running. And um, It looks pretty good for for autumn. And next year, 2022, we're going to have our event in Amsterdam. The date is uh, sometime in August. We haven't yet confirmed the new date, but that's going to happen. And we also have Biker Summit YouTube channel where you can watch some of our previous uh, presentations, as well as some of the live shows and webinars that we, we do if you're interested in biohacking. <clears throat> Fantastic. And you're on Instagram. Well, should people find you? I'll make
1: sure to put the handles and so on in the uh, in the show notes. Right. Yeah, it's
0: at at Biohacking uh, Book. At Biohacking Book, and also at biker Summit. Those are the main channels. Like um the Biohacking Book is sharing a lot of hacks and tips and tricks and, and uh biker summit as well. And we also have Health Hacking Summit, which is our fully online event and conference that's happening every half a year or so. And uh, we're going to have another one in the next few months as well. And yeah, my personal handle on Instagram is uh, T-A-R-1 and N-A, where I have more of my nature photos and and stuff like that. I'll make sure to share that as well. Very cool. Thank you so much for coming
1: on the show and sharing. I look forward to seeing you in real life again, whether it's uh, dancing at the end of one of the good summits at a techno party with a beach, or uh, whether it's going to be over uh, at sea or something else out in nature. Uh, it's always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, that that was amazing party, and that's uh, definitely going to happen uh, if if I if I say so. <laughs> it's it's going to be uh, alongside with this year's Parker Summit as well. We're going to have another beach party looking forward to having you there as well. And yeah, with that, I mean, I wish everyone an extremely healthy rest of the week and, uh, you know, stay optimized. Thanks.